Welcome everyone to this episode of the 929 English Podcast. And welcome back, Rachel. Today, we have the distinct pleasure and honor to conclude our mini-series of love in the parshiot of the book of Breshit. And Rachel, we've kind of weaved in and out relationships between fathers and sons and husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends, if that's a term that they knew back then. And last week, we actually had the reconciliation between Yosef and his brothers. But this week, we reintroduce the father, Yaakov. And he's, I mean, we can't end the book of Breshit without talking about what Yaakov's role in all this is, because he's the foundation that holds the, the group, the family together. What is Yaakov's role in that reconciliation? And I guess we would say in our terms, in the kind of closing the circle of those complicated relationships that we've been talking about? Big question. It's interesting. It's, um, it's interesting because on some level I'm tempted to say that he doesn't have a role in it. That the reconciliation happens almost without him or with him as a passive figure in the background. What really drove the reconciliation is Yosef's compassion and Yehuda's selfless love towards Yaakov and his willingness to sacrifice himself, therefore, for Binyamin, his father's more beloved son. And yet, as you say, it would be foolish to ignore the fact that Yaakov and his love are the uniting force that brings it all together. And even if what we see is a drama between the younger generation, the members of the younger generation, it is Yaakov's love and his presence and his actions that are motivating them as they act. And after Yaakov's come to Egypt, after Yaakov is reunited with his beloved Yosef, as Yaakov is reaching the end of his days, it leaves us with a question of how actively changed is Yaakov by all of that? How much is he an active member of this reconciliation and not just the commodity, him and his love, that the brothers are first bickering over, first, not just bickering, being estranged over, and then finding a way to reconcile despite it or with it in the background or with it in mind. How much is he an active part of the process of healing that we're watching in these parashiyot? And there's a complexity there because in some ways Yaakov seems unchanged. At the end of his life, he's displaying the same favoritism that started this whole saga. If in the beginning of Vayeshev, he gave a garment of a show of favor to Yosef, in the end of his life, in our parsha in Vayechi, he shows favor to Yosef's sons. Later, when he talks to all of his children, um, and after mentioning Rachel with the word, my wife, Rachel Ishti, he mentions to them, Leah, without calling her my wife. In other words, Yaakov, the man who rolled that rock off that well and pursued Rachel and loved her above everything else is still very much the same man. And he's still favoring Rachel's children and her grandchildren apparently, um, because we see him calling, uh, Menashe and Ephraim, his own sons. 
above others. And yet, there is a change. And we see that change in the scene when the sons surround him and he gives them his blessings. And in that scene, not only does he acknowledge each of his sons and tells them something personal, sometimes positive, sometimes less so, but still personal, something that shows that he sees them and is talking to them directly. But in that scene, it's also the first time, and this is a little shocking to me, but it is, it's the first time that Yaakov calls a son who is not a son of Rachel, my son. And that is when he turns to Yehuda and says, Bni. And I think this is an important moment because in this moment we see that Yaakov learned somehow to separate his personal strong emotions from his sense of responsibility, his sense of affection, his sense of uh, care for all his sons, for all his children. And in a sense, what we see here is not just Yaakov's part in the reconciliation. What we see here is really the answer to a question that hunted us or hunted the text uh, from the moment that Yaakov walked up to the well and took off the rock. Because if you remember when we discussed that Parsha, when we discussed Vayetse, we talked about how Yaakov's love to Rachel has a destructive potential, how it can append the social order. And this is dangerous. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes when the status quo needs breaking, it's, it's wonderful to have this revolutionary um, power, liberating power within you. But sometimes, for example, when you have to raise your children and raise them in a loving household and make them love each other as well, if at all possible, this kind of love, especially when it's so tangibly visible to the children, can be very, very destructive. And perhaps it's at Yaakov's deathbed that we see the answer to the question how to have this kind of love without destroying everything around us. And that is by learning to separate, learning to make room in ourselves, both for this love and for the other emotions, the other duties, the other obligations, emotional and otherwise, that we have to the other people in our lives. So Rachel, as you kind of paint the picture of Yaakov on his deathbed, obviously also an amazingly dramatic picture with which to end the book of Breshit, you really um, paint a picture of Yaakov finally understanding what love is all about. The Yaakov who kisses Rachel, who favors Yosef, you know, he's complicated in how he understands love. But like you said, he understands that love means making room. And I think putting together all of our talks, we say love means making room for the other. Sometimes the other is another person and sometimes the other is another emotion, but that love means to make room for the other. In a sense, that's counterintuitive because you've talked over these weeks about the fact that love is all encompassing. I'm really in love means, you know, I can't think of anything else or anybody else. And of course, on one hand, that's true, but really real love means to be able to make room for the other. So we conclude the book of Breshit, we conclude these stories with that appreciation. And it seems only right, Rachel, that that lesson should be taught to us by our forefather, Yaakov. I agree. 
And I think that it's also very fitting that this lesson is taught to us just as we're about to enter our enslavement in Mitzrayim. And Mitzrayim comes from Tzal, from narrow. And we're about to enter a place of narrowness and suffering from which we will need to somehow burst through and have room and have freedom and not feel so crushed. And uh, love will play a role in that process as well. Great. Enjoy this week's parasha. Chazak, chazak, benit chazek. And we look forward to taking these ideas forward into the book of Shemot. Thank you so much for joining us in this series. Thank you, Rachel, as always. And we look forward to seeing all of you very soon. Thank you. Chazak, chazak, benit chazak.